Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Duh, I don't know. My friends, if you have children, sooner or later, you probably have a parenting moment like that where something's wrong or something's broken and the guilty party when confronted goes something like, I don't know, I did a thing just broke itself. I had nothing to do with it. (laughs) And that, my friends, happens in the Bible too. Like Shazam, look at that, sin. Sin just happened, I don't know how. Our theme today, my friends, is is this the christian must persevere in living by faith adhering to those characteristics which identify him or her as belonging to god which gets us to today's reading today's slice of our journey together through the bible reading through every single word of god's revelation of himself and i love how roughly speaking we're on a five year program where the New Testament and the Old Testament overlap in different ways. Two quick points about today. Our theme comes from 1 Timothy 3, our New Testament segment, but it's pretty short. And we're going to spend most of our time catching the whole of a story in Exodus that exemplifies the opposite. So as opposed to perseverance, you're going to hear a whole story, which has a whole lot of golly, I don't know what happened in a way that just amuses me. I hope you're amused. If not, this is probably the wrong podcast for you. First Timothy chapter three. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, He desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders, so that he does not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons are to be the husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and a great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I write these things to you hoping to come to see you soon. But if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know 
how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And most importantly, the mystery of godliness is great when it says, He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And that is chapter 3. Which, at least according to Newt Larson in his commentary, points out that perseverance in living by faith and adhering to those characteristics which identify him as belonging to God is, an, is at least necessary for leadership, if not life. We should all aspire to the higher gifts, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12. Whether or not we achieve them, we should aspire and strive. All right, turning to our Old Testament segment. Um, let me put this little chunk in context, right? So we're in between instructions for the tabernacle, which was chapters 25 through 31 of Exodus. And we're going to get to how they should be carried out, which is chapters 35 through 40. And in between is this section of narrative that illustrates Israel's need for the sanctifying work of the Lord. And I'm going to just put this whole section together because I want you to hear the nature of human beings in relation to God's, God's design, what God says, hey, this is what you should aspire to in terms of character. You with me? Exodus, picking up in chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses was delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And Aaron replied to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made it into the image of a calf. And then they said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning, they arose, offered burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up and got up to party. All right, pause. I'm only six verses in. It's going to be hard, but here we go. How long has Moses been up on the mountain? I think he's been up there for 40 days, if I remember right. My point is this. He hasn't been gone very long, and we're not very far removed. We're still sitting at the base of the mountain where Moses brought down the tablets of the Ten Commandments, right? Which begins with, don't have any other gods before me, right? That was literally the last verse of the last chapter. And now, they're going, oh, these are, the, these are your gods, meaning this gold calf. Continuing, 
the Lord spoke to Moses. Go down at once, for your people you brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have acted quickly, turned away from the way that I commanded them, and they have made for themselves an image of a calf. They've bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And the Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, why does your anger burn against your people that you brought up out of the land of Egypt with, with great power and a strong hand? Why should the Egyptians say, He brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and eliminate them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger and relent concerning this disaster planned for your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You swore to them by yourself and declared, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and will give your offspring all this land I have promised and they will inherit it forever. So the Lord relented concerning the disaster he had said he would bring on his people. And then Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, inscribed front and back. The tablets were the work of God. And the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the sound of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There's sound of war in the camp. But Moses replied, It's not the sound of a victory cry, and not the sound of the cry of defeat. I hear the sound of singing. As he approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses became enraged and threw the tablets out of his hand, smashing them at the base of the mountain. He took the calf that he had, they had made, burned it up, and ground it to powder. He scattered the powder over the surface of the water and forced the Israelites to drink the water. And then Moses asked Aaron, What did these people do to you that you have led them into such grave sin? And Aaron replied, Don't be enraged, my lord. You yourself know that the people are intent on evil. They said to me, Make gods for us who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I said to them, Whoever has gold, take it off. And they gave it to me. And when I threw it into the fire, out came this calf. <laughs> I cannot help myself. Do you hear how stupid that is? That's kind of like, that's kind of like when God approached Adam in Genesis chapter 3 going, oh, what happened? He's like, I don't know. Uh, the woman gave me and I ate it. But the woman made me do it. And here's Aaron going, uh, Shazam, I, this calf just popped out. Are you with me, friends? Good thing you and I aren't that stupid with regard to sin, right? I mean, I've never just awakened and gone 
what did I just do? I don't know. Sadly, I've done that more times than I can count, my friends. The Lord had to seriously get a hold of me more than once. So here's Aaron. He goes, so I said to them, whoever has gold, take it off. And they gave it to me. When I threw it, I threw the gold into the fire. Out came this calf. Right? So he's like absolving himself. Like Adam absolved himself. Oh, I didn't. It just happened. Out. I threw the gold into the fire. And out came this calf. Here we go. Moses saw that the people were out of control. For Aaron had let them get out of control, making them a laughingstock to their enemies. And Moses stood at the camp's entrance and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites gathered around him, and he told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Every man, fasten his sword to his side. Go back and forth throughout the camp, from entrance to entrance, and each of you kill his brother, his friend, and his neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and about 3,000 men fell dead that day among the people. Afterward, Moses said to them, Today you have been dedicated to the Lord, since each man went against his son and his brother, therefore... You have brought a blessing on yourselves today. I'm just going to pause, my friends. Remember, God's desire is purity, right? And at this point in his salvation history, the requirement is pure purity. So any impurity results in what? Well, it's the same result that we deserve in death. Right? God has, has just exercised perfect justice. Might call it judgment, but it has been perfect justice, which is exactly what you and I deserve. So just be careful, because otherwise you're going to go, whoa, wait a minute, God just commanded killing the Israelites because they, I mean, it was just a little bit of sin, just a little bit of worshiping the calf. Continuing. The following day, Moses said to the people, You have committed a grave sin. Now I will go up to the Lord, and perhaps I will be able to atone for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have created a grave sin. They have made a God of gold for themselves. Now if you would only forgive their sin, but if not, please erase me from the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will erase from my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I told you about. See, my angel will go before you. But on the day I settle accounts, I will hold them accountable for their sin. And the Lord inflicted a plague on the people for what they did with the calf Aaron had made. The Lord spoke to Moses. Go up from here, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your offspring. 
I will send an angel ahead of you and will drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hethites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Megabites, and Gigabites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up with you because you are a stiff-necked people. Otherwise, I might destroy you on the way. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned and didn't put on their jewelry. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I went up with you for a single moment, I would destroy you. Now take off your jewelry and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites remained stripped of their jewelry from Mount Horeb onward. I'm going to pause, my friends. They're getting ready to leave the foot of Mount Sinai, where we've been for, well, for the whole book of Exodus. You remember what the whole point of the tabernacle was? So that God could be with the people. What does sin do? Here's God going, my presence might destroy you if I was with you. So now I'm going to make provision for you in a different way. Interestingly, it sounds like punishment, and it's not good. It is definitely bad news. But at the same time, there's an act of grace here. So I'm going to keep rolling and do my best to shut my mouth. But what we're going to hear is God's renewal of his covenant, right? God keeps the promise even when we don't. Continuing, we're at uh, chapter 33, now at verse 7. Now Moses took a tent and pitched it outside the camp at a distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Anyone who wanted to consult with the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance to the tent, they would stand up, then bow in worship, each one at the door of his own tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. And Moses said to the Lord, Look, you have told me, lead this people up. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, you said, I know you by name, and you also have found favor with me. Now, if indeed you have found favor, I have found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you, so that I may find favor with you. Now consider that, that this nation is your people. And God replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And if your presence doesn't go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this 
from all other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Please, let me see your glory. And God said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name the Lord, quote-unquote, the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he added, you cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, Here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock, and when my glory passes by, I will put you, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. And friends, that gets us up through chapter 33, and I we did, I just spent too much time talking today to get as far as I wanted to get to. But what's our point today? What do we need to do? Our perseverance is in living by faith, right? Adhering to those characteristics which identify us as belonging to God. And we get that from those qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 is a theme today. But think about it even in the context of our Old Testament segment. What is God's heart? Be holy like I am holy. Now, what happens if we are not holy? Well, God says, you can't see my face and live. What do we, do you remember what happened with, with um, Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six, right? He's ushered into the throne room of God and he goes, woe is me. This is Isaiah going, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. My friends, Sometimes we wonder why God is hidden or not more present. And he is totally present. But in a way, we would have our own oh crap moment if we saw his face. Shazam! I don't even know how that happened. And he says, I do. That's why you need Jesus. Sorry, I went a little long today. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.